Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to this uh, second podcast in a series on SaaS management and security from the ITAM Review, presented in conjunction with Slurry. My name is AJ Witt from the ITAM Review, um, and in part one, we, we looked at some of the SaaS management use cases, looked at discovery, usage, understanding what's out there. And we started touching on the elements of risk management and security for SaaS as well. So in this part, we're going to get a bit deeper onto the security side of things. And I'm joined again uh, for this for, uh, for this episode uh, by James Moy. Hi, hello again, James. Hey, hi, AJ. Glad to be here. So James is a, uh, for those of you who haven't listened to the first episode, uh, James is a SaaS management uh, expert and, and practitioner and all round ITAM uh, and SAM practitioner as well. Uh, has a very successful um, early deployment of um, SaaS management at a large organization a couple of years ago. And uh, he's uh, busy doing the same uh, somewhere else now. So um, thank you, James, for sharing your expertise here. It's really good to get um, an idea of what it's like on the ground um uh managing these uh these tricky areas i think in these new areas of of interest no it's uh, glad to be here and always uh, love to talk about software and saas thank you great so as i said um, sort of part one we talked a little bit about risk management and security and we and we talked about things like um employees inadvertently or really inadvertently signing the company up to contract terms and conditions. We talked about unplanned costs and we also talked about um, the data security aspects, the privacy aspects to a certain extent um, of SaaS management. So these are kind of the things we want to get into um, in a bit more detail in this part. So so what can we do to address some of those risks and, and, and security concerns? Um, I'm thinking sort of first up, uh, is it practical these days to put very strong controls around who can buy and deploy SaaS applications? What's your view on that? I mean, you know, we often, back in the perpetual days, we would have admin rights, you know, on PCs that, that, that perhaps the end users didn't have and so forth. They, could, they couldn't install software. That's no longer the case, is it? Uh, I guess it's really dependent on the company, but there's always obviously exception to the rule because there'll be people who have uh, local administration rights to their own machine to do whatever they need to do without having an admin constantly log in uh, to that machine to install software, right? Uh, I think that's the tricky part with any organization, Uh, but ideally, yeah, you should have some some type of restriction for installing because I think uh, if you don't control that, you're going to have people installing left and right. Take take for example a previous organization where they did not have admin uh, admin rights or it was pretty much everyone, and to control what was installed was just rampant, and it was it got quite bad fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and of course, in many cases, though, with SaaS, there's nothing to install, right? So 
So it's um, yeah, you, if it's just a web application, there's there's limited sort of physical control you can put around these things. So it comes down to, I would imagine, educating the users a little bit about what they should and shouldn't do. Yeah, well, it comes down to what you're allowed to do, right? Uh, mm -hmm. As well as what the corporation uh, will allow what applications to be in the environment. Obviously, there are restrictions depending mm -hmm. on your field. If it's healthcare or if it's banking, obviously they they will have rules around that based on you know you know the governing bodies that govern those industries. Uh, but obviously controlling what you spend, maybe controlling 80% of your spend, which be, would be good. And then your other tool should be able to detect, not just from a discovery point of view of what's in the environment, but what you're spending from an expense management. That's where obviously the SaaS, uh, the SaaS tools will, will probably help because you can detect who's spending what, who's expensing what, you know, particularly... SaaS applications are usually purchased on uh, credit cards. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, from a SaaS management tool, you you do get that ability to see what's out there right now. Um, I'm wondering, is it a good approach to kind of? I, you know, I'm thinking here that you've got a greenfield site. You haven't. You've just deployed your SaaS management tool, and you've got all this data back, and you're like, "Wow, I had no idea it was it was that big." Um, I know typically we customers end up finding maybe two to three times more SaaS than they thought they had um, on deployment of a tool. Um, so what's our process for tidying up that mess? Um, have you had any experience with sort of having a formal onboarding process for, for SaaS applications where something's in use and you think, okay, well, that's obviously a corporate application, but we do need to still put it through um, some processes to check that it's okay. Have you had any experience in that area? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, in prior organizations that I've been at, uh, I we've discovered you know, after we've deployed our SaaS management tool that people were buying uh, the web price of that tool when we mm -hmm. already had an existing contract. So what we did was that we would move them over and then have them terminate that uh, that credit card purchase uh, with that organization and just mm -hmm. bring them on to the enterprise. Uh, on the flip side, sometimes uh, we have a larger group where we don't have an enterprise agreement and there are a substantial number of users that constantly use it and there is a business case for it, but they had no idea of how to, you know, bring it in from an enterprise point of view, because yeah. they had an old way of thinking, an old way of you know getting or obtaining certain applications. So we would obviously you know push it through to our vendor management and create that enterprise contract to get better pricing, obviously, and then get that get that done for 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 our end users. Yeah. And I, I would imagine as part of that process as well, there's some due diligence due diligence to do around uh data privacy and and security yep. aspects and so on so, so so those teams need to kind of be involved as well to to, to check like okay well, well where is this data being stored yeah uh, you know I, it's i guess it's less important in the us but um certainly in the eu in the eu for example um if we're storing data outside of the eu boundaries then there's a, there's a different process to go through in terms of um 
Yeah, no, it's born here too as well. Mm. Just, uh, I guess it's de depending on obviously your SecOps teams, right, and how how much people they had devoted to a lot of this stuff, uh, yep. because you know operationalizing certain things takes resources, and some mm. some orgs don't have those resources available. So, so, so I'm thinking of this process where where we've kind of deployed the tool and we, we've kind of got a, a bit of control over our SaaS. Finally, we kind of know who's buying. We we detect when new applications arrive in the in the organization automatically. Um, is there um, value in providing a list of approved applications to our end users? We we, we mentioned uh, at the end of the first uh, episode how actually the cree sorry the key stakeholders are actually the end users because they're the ones going out and effectively procuring the software so is there is there a benefit from having like an enterprise app store to to give people a list of of you know file sharing apps or or design applications that sort of thing oh absolutely uh prior organizations if they are fairly transparent on what people are using. So think about this whole digital transformation that is gripping the industry yeah. where everyone's trying to consolidate, save some money, which is great. Uh, but publishing a list of approved applications versus a list of, hey, we don't allow this stuff and then maybe list those applications. Mm. And if there's an exception to use it, then they have to go through that exception process and why they actually need it. But obviously, publishing a list of approved applications would be a good step one uh, yep. that is agreeable to everyone. Yeah, I, I think I think the other aspect of this is it actually it's actually very helpful for end users if you don't have that that kind of 1990s 2000s approach to IT, whereby you've got your your gold master build and you've got your list of corporate applications. Um, which, which increasingly, you know, that, that that model is going away, and and you know we don't have um, official applications as such. It's it's actually really useful to new employees to have a list of applications that they know that their colleagues are using and that teams they're working with uh, are using, for example. So so you you kind of it must improve productivity, right? To to, to have people all using say. Dropbox for file sharing rather than having some on box and someone Dropbox and someone uh, something else, right? Oh, no, definitely. I mean, mm. uh, uh, prior organizations where you had one flavor of each product, you know, you have box, mm. Dropbox, SharePoint, you name it, we had it. And it was literally almost pulling teeth to move people off certain products because, you know, because of where they stored the data or whether there's mm. a security issue or there's privacy, right? You you have to do what's best, what the company wants from a security pr pr uh, perspective to protect your data. Because if you don't, you get out. I, I always use this example. You don't want to be the next equitable. Uh, yeah. In the new yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, that, it, it's very easy to stumble into, um, Yes, a situation where suddenly you're in the courts, maybe you're in front of Congress or your local regional, um, uh, or even um, just in the news, or even just in the news. Absolutely, the, the reputational impact is 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 very large, um, and really does have to be considered because software is everywhere. 
yes. and uh it's it's a point of yeah exactly um I, I think this is the key point around SaaS in particular whereby because anyone can procure it effectively you can very inadvertently end up in a very bad situation where you are yes being interviewed <laughs> about a data breach or or, or or a privacy issue or something which is um, obviously not ideal um and and on that as well I wanted to talk about um you know communicating with end users how do you go about getting people on board with the idea that they yes they should use official channels um and you know, don't go off and do your own thing we've probably got something for this already how do you go about doing that? I, I, I'm sort of reminded of how cybersecurity teams you know, approach you know, password management and 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 you know, education around sort of email phishing and so on. Is that something we can do here in SaaS management? Oh, absolutely. You could do a marketing campaign to educate your users. I mean, it's basically posters, uh, internet page splashes. Uh, even at, uh, at maybe three or four organizations ago, we did a HR course for any new employees uh, that were being onboarded that, hey, here's your software compliance course. Here's how, yep. here's why it's important. Here's why you should be doing this and not be going outside the, you know, uh, rules of the mm. corporation and buying software or even loading software on your machine. Uh, so same same way, you could do the same thing, marketing campaign that says, hey, here's a list of approved apps. Here's the official way of obtaining certain software. If you want something new, here's the process, open a ticket, do this, do that, right? Uh, it's just formulating idea to do literally just a marketing campaign to educate your, your, your end user. Because I, I always find that if your end user is more educated in your process, the better that they know, and they'll understand it and actually more be more intuitive versus not knowing or just trying to figure out their own way. Because in, in the end, if they want it bad enough, they will wind up getting it. Yeah, yeah. And I think in the same way as you are sort of telling them not to do things, you also need to make it easy for them to do the right thing. Yes. Um, and, and that's what we see, you know, we've already mentioned um, around providing a list of approved applications um maybe having an enterprise app store that sort of thing so you, you make it easier for them to go and procure the official service than than going off and trying to find something themselves um i think uh yeah it, it's not all about trying to stop them it's it's enabling them to do the right thing i totally agree uh mm. that's for sure yeah and yeah I, I mean i'm conscious that certainly here in the uk um, most people, when they sign an employment contract, will, will, would have clauses around software usage. Um, really, it's really a um, sort of an output of the Computer Misuse Act, from which has been around since 1994, I believe. So, um, but but quite often your policies would would be talking about do not install, do not download, do not, and and I think those policies are somewhat kind of um, maybe focused on old. You know perpetual software so if you do have policies around that um I, I would say it's a good time to go and review them make sure they are SaaS ready uh to deal with the fact that you're not downloading anything you're maybe you're not even buying something because it's freeware um effect, you know, or it's you're on a free tier um you're still 
signing that contract because you've clicked a download agreement somewhere. Um, uh, so yeah, things like that. I, I, I'm wondering, did, did, did you did you look at um, your existing policies and make sure that they um, had some SaaS SaaS yeah. in them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there was obviously a software usage policy, but I, uh, we would create a separate SaaS policy uh, that yeah. literally worked in conjunction with the software one uh, to outline uh, those points that you had mentioned, AJ, mm -hmm. uh, particularly around SaaS usage, uh, committing the company to a contract, obviously unauthorized spend because obviously it wasn't approved, right? Or, mm -hmm. or, or was it, right? <laughs> uh, but obviously, you know, using a tool that wasn't approved, you know, through the right channels. Uh, yeah. key. But a policy around SaaS would be highly recommended for certain companies. Yeah, it's it, it, it's an important point here is that um, SaaS does enable people who don't have signing authority to spend company money. Um, it, it's particularly probably more of an issue around FinOps and managing cloud. Um, but you know, you, you have the ability because because you need the ability in your day job to to deploy software. Perhaps you do have that ability to commit commit the business to something that would be way above maybe your manager's manager's signing signing authority. So um, yeah, it, it 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 does need careful careful view of the policies and also that communications program really to really to make sure people understand what they're doing. It's not just getting a new free tool that's going to um, magically make their task list um, get shorter. What we find um, in the data is that alongside things like file sharing and creative software, probably the next biggest thing is project management. And I always look at it and think, well, that yeah, that's because they think that the next tool is going to solve their, their, their backlog, their endless list of tasks that they haven't done because they've been busy looking for software. Um, yeah, so, so, so it, 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 it's a good point. No, I definitely agree. I mean, outside creative software applications, right? I think the the biggest ones that I've primarily been involved with is usually project management software. And there are a ton, and I mean a ton out there. Yeah. Everyone is claiming that it could do this, it can integrate with that. Your issue isn't that. Your issue is obviously your unauthorized spend, who's spending. I mean, if you look at any company right now, I can guarantee you they will probably have at least five to seven project management software, SaaS ones, including mm. the on-prem ones, uh, currently in your environment. Yeah. Five to seven, at least. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, fundamentally, that means they're probably not working together in unison because those tools won't necessarily talk to each other. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so much for a nice integrated approach to projects. Um, <laughs> but there we go. Um, so, so we talked a little bit about ha having some controls and, and, and policy in place and, and onboarding applications, um, being enabling users to, to kind of uh, self-deploy um, from an app store. How do we measure what we're doing? W what are the kind of things, key KPIs and metrics around SaaS management? And I think of this maybe broaden out a little bit beyond um, just the security aspect here. What sort of things should we should we be tracking to make sure we're doing a good job as SaaS managers? Uh, ideally, from a spend management point of view, is reducing uh, unauthor unauthorized spend within the SaaS world, right? Mm. Uh, the more you reduce your spend and move them over to an enterprise tool that is currently being used, you're saving money there. And then obviously you're changing the end user behavior to say, hey, 
we have something in house to that you could use where you don't have to spend an additional money to buy thing that is the the, the next shiny new toy to solve your 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 productivity woes, right? Uh, so uh, I think usage mm-hmm. uh, of the SaaS is very important because if you subscribe to let's say a you know a 500 user license for for the the company and you you only have 150 using then that that would obviously was a bad deal. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, you know, same thing when you when you do discovery reports with on-prem, right? You know, you you know for let's say O365 or Office, you know, you have a thirty-three thousand uh, people, you know, license and <laughs> only twenty thousand is using it. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why did you commit thirty-three? So uh, obviously, you know, the spend analytics, the the control of your expense, and obviously usage details of who's using it and or when they're using it is is it's kind of important aside from the security concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I know you've kind of bootstrapped and got a SaaS management program running. How do you build momentum um, in a program when you're doing something new? Um, there's always that, I always feel there's kind of a, a need for very, very quick results. And then, and then, but what's next? How do you, how do you make sure that it's, it's kind of seen as an ongoing thing rather than just a, Oh, we've solved that problem now. We don't need to do it. Ideally, besides having a sponsor, is the ability to work with multiple teams. I think working with mm. the identity access folks, the security folks, as well as you know your cloud management teams, uh, mm. and working in conjunction to basically uh, provide that security aspect around the tooling uh, <clears throat> will help them, which and then will and of course, help you manage the tools uh, that are being brought in, right? Uh, In prior organizations where we had a great relationship with our finance and expense management teams, they they openly shared who's buying what, primarily because they had questions. And then obviously we created that policy and obviously onboarded certain, you know, vendors who were outside the scope and then obviously brought in people who were already in scope, but you know, spending money when they shouldn't be. Yeah. So it's literally just working, you know, working with a lot of people, breaking down the barriers, and and just do uh, because obviously you're working for the same company. No one, no one's trying to be uh, malicious about it. They're just trying to be productive. So yeah, uh, it's just yeah. trying to get the the news out that say, hey, we're here to help you. Here, here's how we could help, and then obviously reduce your spend. Reduce your usage, reduce your overcommitment uh, where you don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great, great way to to wrap up. Actually, this fact that um, you know you, you are all working for the same company. People aren't doing things to to go against the, the company. They're all trying to solve problems, right? And and SaaS is a great engine of innovation. Um, I'm sure there are many, many examples in all of your organizations where a new tool has come in and really transformed a business process, made a big difference to, to either your customers or to, or to your colleagues or improved a product. Um, and that that's the beauty of SaaS. I, I think it's there's so much innovation out there. There's so much competition for for, for subscription dollars that you do end up with 
it being a great enabler, it just needs to have a bit of structure around it um, to, to make sure that you're not going too far down that, that, that road of kind of white hot innovation. No, I definitely agree with that. You know, there's gotta be collaboration from top down and across all your users. Mm. Great. Well, thank you, James. Um, thank you. It's been a really good uh, introduction into this topic of sort of SaaS and security and risk management. Um, for those of you listening to this part, there is a part one as well. Um, you can find that from the landing page for, uh, for this podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Welcome your comments and uh, suggestions as well. You can find uh, both uh, James and I on LinkedIn um, or send us an email at support at itassetmanagement.net and we'll be happy to answer any questions you have around uh, SaaS and SaaS management. Thank you, James. Thank you, AJ.